Hey guys, this is Nile and welcome to Greek Mythology with Nile. This is the podcast where I, Nile, crazy lover of Greek mythology, tell you more about it. So in today's episode, we will learn how Zeus defeats Cronus. Let's recap first. In the last episode, we learned how Zeus acted as a cupbearer for Cronus and freed his siblings and the Cyclops and the hundred-handed ones from Tartarus. We also learned how each male god had a weapon built for themselves. So without any further ado, let's get into today's episode. Cronus wasn't an easy guy to defeat. By most accounts, the Titan War took 10 years. Or maybe Cronus just used his time tricks to make it seem that long, hoping the gods would give up. If so, it didn't work. Rhea, the great mother, visited every Titan she could, trying to persuade them to side with Zeus. Many listened. After all, Cronus wasn't the most popular leader. Almost all the female titans either helped Zeus or stayed out of his way. Prometheus, the creator of humans, was smart enough to remain neutral. Oceanus kept kept to himself in the depths of the ocean. Helios and Selene, the sun and the moon, agreed not to take sides as long as they got to keep their jobs. That left Cronus and mo- most of the other male titans with Atlas as his general and champion fighter. The gods and titles skimmerished back and forth, blowing up an island here, vaporizing a sea there. The titans were strong and well armed. At the beginning, they held the advantage. Even with magic cyclops weapons, the gods weren't used to combat. It's a hard thing not to drop your trident and run when Atreus is bellowing down on you, screaming and waving his sword. But the gods did learn how to fight. The Cyclops eventually armed all Zeus's allies with top-of-the-line weapons. The hundred-handed ones learned to throw web barrages of stones like living catapults. You're thinking, how hard can it be to throw rocks? Okay, you try throwing rocks with both hands at the same time and hitting your target. It's not as easy as it sounds. Now imagine coordinating one hundred hands, all throwing rocks the size of refrigerators. If you're not careful, you'll spew rocks everywhere and crush yourself and your allies. Once the god learns to fight, the war still took a long time because none of the combatants on either side could die. You couldn't just stab a guy, zap him, or throw a house on him and call it a day. You actually had to capture each enemy and make sure he was hurt so badly he would never heal. Then you had to figure out what to do with his crippled body. As Zeus knew, even throwing somebody into Tartarus wasn't a guarantee that he would stay long gone forever. Little skirmishes weren't going to decide anything. Finally, Zeus came up with his big plan. We have to storm Mount Othyrus, he told his siblings at their weekly war meeting. A full frontal assault on their headquarters. If we do that, the hostile titans will rally to protect Kronos. Then we can take them all down at once. In other words, Hades said, you want us to commit suicide. Poseidon leaned on his trident. For once I agree with Hades. If we march up to the slopes of Mount Othyrus, Atlas will be ready for us. His troops will have the high ground. They'll smash us flat. If we try flying in, we'll get shot out of the air. They've got plenty of anti-god missile weapons. Zeus's eyes, Zeus's eyes gleamed. But I've got a different plan. We'll soften them up by attacking from the next mountain over. Do what now? Demeter said. Demeter asked. She looked uncomfortable in her armor, even though she'd designed it herself. She'd painted a leaf of barley and daisy on her shield, and for her main weapon, 
she chose a fearsome golden trowel. Zeus drew a map of the Greek mainland in the dirt. Near Mount Othyrus was another Greek mountain. Not quite as tall, not well, not as well known. It was called Mount Olympus. That's right. That is going to be the future. That is going to be the future. You know, uh, residence of the gods. We scale Olympus, Zeus said. They won't be expecting that, but Othyrus will be within range of our missile weapons. The hundred-handed ones will launch volleys of boulders. I'll bust out lightning. Poseidon will summon storms and earthquakes. And I'll turn invisible," muttered Hades. Zeus clapped his brother on the shoulder. "You have an important job too. You send waves of terror through the enemy ranks. Once we've destroyed their defenses, we all fly over there, including us three goddesses," Demeter prompted. "We can fight too, you know." "Sure," Zeus smiled nervously. "Do you think I'd forgotten you?" "Yes," said Demeter. <laughs> "I know, right?" Uh, anyway, Zeus continued. We fly over to Mount Othyrus, smash anybody who's left standing, and take them all prisoner. Azita wrapped herself in a plain brown shawl. I still think we should make peace, Azita said. No, the others yelled. I'm sorry if uh, you know that was that was too loud. Hera tapped the dirt map. It's a crazy plan. I like it. So that night. Under cover of darkness, the gods and their allies climbed Mount Olympus for the first time. The next morning, as Helios rode his stick magnet into the sky, uh, that's what he likes to call his sun chariot. King Cronus awoke to a sound like thunder, probably because it was thunder. Storm clouds rolled in from every direction. Zeus hurled a lightning bolt that blasted the tallest tower into black marble shrapnel. I know, right? So cool. The hundred-handed ones chuckled so many boulders to one pound on Thyrus that when Cronus looked out of his window, it seemed to be raining major appliances. What imagination those Greeks had, man! The beautiful palace domes imploded in mushroom clouds of dust. Walls crumbled. Columns fell like dominoes. The hundred-handed ones had built Mount Thyrus, and they knew exactly how to destroy it. As the palace shook, Cronus grabbed his scythe and called his brethren to attack. But the thing was, a scythes really don't do much against boulders and lightning. B nobody could hear him over the noise, and C the palace was disintegrating around him. Just as he was saying, "Titans, let's go!" a three-ton section of the ceiling collapsed on his head. <coughs> the battle was a massacre. If you can have a massacre when nobody dies, a few tritons tried to counterattack, only to be buried in an avalanche of rubble and boulders. After the initial assault, the gods flew over and mopped up the resistance. Poseidon summoned earthquakes to swallow their enemies. Hades popped out in random places and yelled, "Boo!" His helmet of terror, or his boo cap, as the others called it, sent tritons fleeing straight off the sides of the cliffs or into the waiting arms of the elder cyclops. When the dust settled and the storm clouds lifted, even the gods were in awe of what they'd done. Not only was Cronus's palace gone, but the entire top of Mount Othyrus had been sheared away with it. Did I tell you Othyrus was the highest mountain in Greece? Not any more. Today, Mount Olympus, which used to be a smaller mountain, is over nine thousand feet tall. Mount Othyrus is only five thousand and change. 
Zeus and the hundred handed ones basically cut out the entire mountain in half. The Cyclops dug the Titans out of the rubble and began chaining them up. None of them got away. General Atlas and the four brothers, who controlled the corners of the earth, were dragged before Zeus and made to kneel. Ah, my dear uncles, Zeus chuckled. Koyos, Krios, Hyperion, and Epetus, you four are going straight to Tartarus, where you will remain for all time. The four brothers hung their heads in shame, but General Atlas laughed at his captors. (laughs) Puny gods, he bellowed. Even wrapped in chains, he was intimidating. You know nothing of how the universe will work. If you throw these four into Tartarus, the entire sky will fall. Only their presence at the four corners of the earth keeps the wide expanse of Uranus from crashing down upon us. Maybe, Zeus grinned, but unfortunately Atlas, but fortunately Atlas, I have a solution. You are always boasting how strong you are, right? From now on, you are going to hold the sky up all by yourself. What? Atlas exclaimed. Brontus, Argus, Sterops, Zeus called, he's all yours. The elder Cyclops dragged Atlas into a distant mountain top where the sky was very close. I don't know how they did it, but they caused the sky to form a central support pillar, a single funnel cloud like the bottom point of a spinning top. They chained Atlas to the mountain and forced the entire weight of the sky onto his shoulders. Now you're thinking, why didn't he just refuse to hold it and let the sky fall? I did mention the chains, right? He couldn't run away without getting flattened. Also, it's hard to appreciate unless you've done it. But holding the sky is kind of like being stuck under a loaded barbell during a bench press. All your concentration goes on to keeping that thing from crushing you. You can't lift it because it's too heavy. You can't release it because it will squash you as it drops. All you can do is hold it in place. Sweating and straining and whimpering. Help! Hoping somebody will walk through the gym, notice you being slowly pressed into a pancake and lift the weight off you. But what if no one does? Imagine being struck at that situation for eternity. Well, my friends, that was Atlas's punishment. All the other titans who fought in the war got off easy. They were pitched headfirst into Tartarus. But not Atlas. Which leaves us the million dollar question. What happened to Cronus? There are a lot of different stories. Most agree that the crooked one, that was Cronus's nickname, was dug out of the rubble and brought before Zeus. They say he was bound in chains like the others and tossed into Tartarus. According to some later traditions, I, I like this sort of version, Zeus took his father's side, sliced him up the way Cronus had sliced up Uranus. Cronus was thrown into Tartarus in teeny tiny pieces. Supposedly, that's where we got the idea of father time with a sight being deposed every time January 1st by baby, by baby New Year. Though it's difficult to imagine Zeus in a diaper and a party hat. Yeah, right? Some versions claim that Zeus released Cronus from Tartarus many years later, either to live out of his retirement in Italy or to rule the isles of the blessed in Elysium. Personally, I don't buy that. It doesn't make sense if you believe that Cronus was chopped up to bits. And if you know this, Zeus, you know, he's not exactly the forgive and forget type. Anyway, Cronus was done. The age of the Titans was over. The Titans who didn't fight against the gods were allowed to stick around. Some, like Helios and Selene, got to keep their jobs. Some even intermarried with the gods. Zeus named himself New King of the Cosmos because he was smarter than Cronus. He sat down with his brothers and said, 
Look, I want to be fair about this. How about we throw a dice for control of different parts of the world? Highest roll gets first choice. Hades frown. I have rotten luck. Which parts are we talking about? The sky, the sea, and the underworld. Zeus offered. You mean Tartarus? Poseidon asked. Gross. I mean the upper underworld. You know the nice part nearer to the surface? It's not so bad. Big caves, lot of jewels, riverside real estate on the sticks. Zeus said. Huh? Hades said. What about the earth itself? Greece and all the other lands? Hades asked. That will be neutral territory, my friends. Sorry, my brothers. Zeus suggested. We can all operate on the earth. The brothers agreed. Notice how the sisters were not invited to this little dice game? I know, totally unfair, but that's how it went down. No surprise, Zeus got the highest roll. He chose the sky for his domain, which made sense because of lightning bolts and all. Poseidon got the second highest roll. He chose the sea and became the supreme god of the waters. And above Oceanus, who got pushed even further away in the margins of the world, and Pontus, who was mostly asleep in the muck all the time anyway, he does get the worst role as he expected. He took the underworld as his domain, but it kind of suited his gloomy personality, so he didn't complain much. The hundred-handed ones Zo- built Zeus the gleaming palace he'd always dreamed at the top of Mount Olympus. Then Zeus sent them back to Tartarus, but this time as jailers to watch over the Titans. The hundred-handed ones didn't really mind. At least they were. The- at least now they were the ones with the whips. The elder Cyclops went to work for the gods. They constructed a workshop at the bottom of the sea near the island of Lemnos, where there was lots of volcanic power to power their forges. They made tons of special weapons and other fun collectibles and had a good health package with a week of paid vacation every year. As for the gods, Zeus invited them all to live with him on Mount Olympus. Each of them had a throne in the main hall, so even though Zeus was in charge, it was more like a council than a dictatorship. They called themselves the Olympians. Well, I say that they were all welcome in Olympus, but Hades not so much. The guy had always creeped out his siblings. Now that he the lord of the underworld, he seemed to bring doom and darkness with him wherever he went. You understand, Zeus told him privately, we can't have an underworld thrown up here on Mount Olympus. It would make the other gods uncomfortable, and the skulls in the black stone wouldn't really go with the decor. Oh, sure, grumbled Hades. I see how it is. Anyway, that's how things got started with the gods on Mount Olympus. Eventually, there would be 12 thrones in the council chamber and a whole lo- bunch of other gods who didn't have thrones. The Olympians figured that now they could settle down and rule the world in peace. There was only one problem. Remember that Earth Mother Gaia was taking a nap all this time? Well, eventually she would wake up and when she got home and found her favorite kids, the Titans, had been thrown into Tartarus, Zeus was going to have some explanation to do. But that's a tale for another day. Now, it's time to meet up the gods, close and personal. Just be warned, some of their stories might make you feel like Cronus after a big glass of mustard nectar. So then guys, in the next episode, we will be talking about all the gods, up close and personal, like I told you. They will be starting from the order in which they were born. So, next time, we're having a only Hesita episode. So, well then, I hope you liked today's episode. You can find me on Instagram at Nila Knight. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Akash, Hubhopper Studio, Amazon Music and Breaker. Please rate and review to your friends and family. It helps me a lot. You can message me on Instagram. Please go to my blog, nilanight.blogspot.com. 
थैंक्स आई लव यू ऑल एंड बाय